Hi, my friend. I hope you have been finding this podcast helpful. Well, I have some good news for you. I have created the Decoding Obesity community just for you. This is a safe and judgment-free space for finding the accountability you need so that you can get started on your weight loss journey right away. And it's completely free. So head on over to www.decodingobesity.com forward slash Facebook to sign up. I'll see you in the community. This is the Decoding Obesity Podcast, where we simplify, demystify, and decode obesity, helping you lose weight and feel great. So gear up for a fascinating journey through this ever-evolving field, and let's see what we find. And please remember that the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Don't forget to visit our website, www.decodingobesity.com, for show notes and more info. And now, here's your host of the Decoding Obesity podcast, Dr. Avishkar Sabarwal. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Decoding Obesity podcast. Mindset plays a big role in almost any process we start. The battle has to be won in the mind before it actually happens. It's time for another inspirational story now. I have with me Crystal Church. She's a personal and professional leadership life coach, the CEO and creator of Dreamweaver Consulting. She recently wrote a book that documents her story that started with a life of incest, mental and physical abuse, and ended in her victory with her book, The Evolution of Dreamweaver, Seven Steps to Delivering on Your Dreams. She finally lost about 75 pounds after various attempts, and let's find out from her how she did that. But before I bring her on, I want to request you all to leave me a review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. This really helps spread the word. The few minutes you spend writing a review will help this podcast reach many others who will benefit from this. Welcome, Crystal. How are you doing today? I am fabulous. Thank you so much. I love mindset. This is so good. Yeah, I know. It's so important to have the right mindset before you start anything, right? Whether it's weight loss journey, whether it's any kind of a struggle you're going to start in your life, it's so important to have the right mindset. I agree 100%. Our minds are much more powerful than we even know. Right. So let's talk about your weight loss journey. You know, I always ask my guests, how did they start with their journey and when did their weight really become an issue? That's usually the first question I ask. So what happened to you and how did your weight really become an issue with you? That's a great question. I think in thinking back to my childhood, I've always had a weight issue. Now, when I really was overweight, I would look back at pictures and think, wow, I thought I was fat then. I wish I was that fat now, right? And in my family, you know, I was always teased a little bit for being chubby. I remember my grandmother owned a restaurant and she would put me on diets, you know, when I was 10 and 11 years old, where the fad diet was hamburger patty and cottage cheese and tomatoes. And so it was like this conditioning of you don't look okay the way you are, you're overweight, and we need to change that. In high school, I was athletic, so I had an athletic build. I don't even think really then I was overweight, but I thought I was, right? And I was trying right. to measure up to this unreal standard of what we should look like. I think I really became overweight when I had my last child and he's 14 and I am 14 years in long-term recovery. And when I got sober from the drugs that 
increased my metabolism, it was wrecked. And so it was rapid weight gain. And then getting pregnant at the same time as getting sober, it just one day, this is crazy, but one day I woke up and I was like, whoa, my stomach is hanging over. It was like it happened overnight. I was oblivious to the pounds that I was packing on. And so prior to this weight loss, I hit 250. That was, was my your highest, highest. Yeah. And I'm five, six. Wow. And so, and I have a muscular build, which is okay because you can carry more weight. However, I look back now at my pictures and I'm like, wow, I was in complete denial of how heavy I really was. Right. So what do you think caused this? You were talking about being off some of the drugs. Do you mind sharing that with us? Yeah, definitely. You know, I think if I go back to the very beginning, I had a tumultuous childhood, lots of adversity, alcoholic side of the family for dad, lots of verbal and mental and abuse and domestic violence situations. And so I think that I then created a relationship with food to soothe me, definitely an emotional eater, right? And then when I went down the addiction path, you know, unfortunately, I discovered methamphetamine, which is a terrible drug. You know, I'm very fortunate to be one of the ones that got out of that world. And what it does is suppresses your appetite for days. Yeah. And so your body goes into starvation mode. And then when you finally feed it, you crave horrible foods and junk and sugar because that's what your brain has needed. And it fed into that yo-yo cycle that I was already in anyway. And wow. then when you get sober from something, you look at it like, well, I've quit smoking cigarettes. I've quit smoking pot. I've quit drinking. I've quit everything I'm going to eat. It's like you give yourself permission, a reward for all the other good things you've done and you eat instead, which is an addiction too, right? Absolutely. One question I have for you is that a lot of times we see that people who suffer from some kind of an addiction, they'll kind of replace their foods for that addiction at times. And that might become a problem for them leading to the obesity. Now, that may not be the, necessarily be the case for you because uh, you were on a stimulant drug, the methamphetamine, which does rev up the metabolism. And, you know, when you were eating whatever you were eating, you were not gaining as much weight because of the way you were. But do you think you had any sort of addiction that kind of replaced your methamphetamine addiction? Oh, work and food. Absolutely. Work and food, right? And in our society today, we absolutely welcome hustlers. We welcome working seven days a week, you know, 20 hour days. And all that did was replace another addiction. So, and again, I'm an emotional eater. So in getting sober, you go through a lot of emotional things and mindset, and you're really working on clearing out the cobwebs. And so if I felt something, didn't matter if it was happiness, oh, let's celebrate. Oh, I'm sad. I better eat. That'll make me feel better. And then I really began to learn more about how food does affect your mood. Right. And it began to make sense why, oh, it's evening. My serotonin is dipping. So of course I'm going to crave chips. Chips are going to give me that carbohydrate boost. that's then going to release the serotonin and make me feel good. So it's not like it was even in my head. It was really what I was creating with the food I was eating. Right. And so what changed? What was your sort of the light bulb moment that made you kind of decide that you wanted to change and you needed to do something about it? That's a great question. So I have three kids. The oldest is a girl and she had a weight issue as well. 
And, you know, we had tried different things, fad diets, you know, keto, omni drops, you name it. And she heard about Ideal Protein, which is another system that's done through your doctor's office to really look at what you eat, higher proteins, lower carbs. So she started this and I was like, oh, okay, well, just observe from afar. She had great results. And it's very motivating when your 29-year-old daughter, who is even more overweight than you, is crushing it. And I thought, well, I've got to do this with her, right? Right. Because we spend so much time together anyway. Why not be in the same boat together, right, of choosing healthy eating habits? And then the pandemic hit and I thought, okay, all I'm hearing about is how people are packing on the pounds. I don't have anywhere (laughs) to put any more pounds. And it was perfect timing. Buddy system, structure, pandemic. Yeah, I was going to say that you found your accountability partner in your daughter, right? Absolutely. And, you know, she would be like, she's regimented. I'm a little more and I'd be like, okay, well, I'm the mom. I can't, I have to (laughs) set an example here too, right? Yeah. So it was very empowering. She was very, very empowering. She lost 130 pounds. Right. Wow. That's amazing. That's a whole body. That's a whole human. Yeah, that's so great. And, you know, that's what I tell people on my podcast as well, that it's so important to have an accountability partner because it's not a one day thing. It's a long journey. And Crystal, I just want to point out to my listeners again, I've been doing it throughout my podcast, that I have created a community, which is a free community for people who are suffering from obesity to actually join on Facebook and basically find partners that can help them in their journey. They may have some questions and there may be people who've actually gone through the process and may have the answers for them. So really, it's a free community. It's a very safe space that I've created. So listeners, if you want to join this community, go to www.decodingobesity.com forward slash Facebook, and you can join this free community. It's an amazing resource where you can find lots and lots of help that you need. Anyway, getting back to your story, which is so interesting. That's brilliant, though. I want to say that's brilliant. And that feeds right into the story. Isogenics was also another thing that I dabbled in. And it being an MLM, which, you know, multi-level marketing, I felt like I was being sold more than I was being cared about. And so that free community of supported people that are non-judgmental is brilliant for you to create. Because one of the things that someone said to me in this isogenics world was, what would it look like to fully embrace the program the way it's intended? Now you hear the sarcasm in my voice because I was like, what would it look like to stop judging me and begin to understand why I eat, not ask me why I'm not following your protocol perfectly. And that was it for me. No more safety, no more trust. I was out. I think trust plays a big role in this and really finding people who've actually taken the similar steps that you have or have actually had the same journey as you have. I think it is much more important than to have somebody else sitting on the other side and preaching something or advocating for something. Right. I mean, I myself have had weight loss journey of my own and I discovered how it worked for me. And then I, of course, read about all of this. And that really kind of made that really kind of motivated me to create this podcast and then create the community that I've created. So, yeah, I mean, it's very important to have that support as you go along because it's not easy. It's a very long road. And I mean, I'm glad that you found your daughter as your accountability partner and she found you as an accountability partner. Right. Because there are days when it's going to be hard and there are days when it's going to be easy. And you need somebody to either cheer you along when it's going good or just to pick you up when you're kind of falling down. Yes, I completely agree. Absolutely. So yeah, you had mentioned about this weight loss program that you were on. 
And did you try anything else other than this in the past that really did not work for you? Oh, yeah, definitely. So, you know, like I said, when I was little, 10 years old, it was about whatever the fad diet was back then. Remember the cabbage soup diet? (laughs) Yeah, right? All of those things. (laughs) And then Omni Drops, which is the HCG hormone that, you know, suppresses your appetite. I actually had really good luck with that, but I wanted to chew my arm off the whole time. Like you're literally starving and I didn't want to feel hungry because I'm an emotional eater. If I feel hungry, I feel deprived, then I'm a victim, then it's all of it, right? When I was using drugs and alcohol, it was just about, oh, okay, well, I look great, so I'll just starve myself, which, you know, wreaks havoc on every system in your body. Let's see, what else did I try? Uh, uh, Keto, dirty keto, you name it. Isogenics, right? Meal replacements. Slim fast, remember slim fast back in the day? right? I wanted a quick fix. I didn't want to deal with any of the mindset, emotional things that were really feeding literally my desire to eat. Yeah. And that's the other thing about obesity is that it's not a one size fits all. And it's very complex. Like for example, for you, you were an emotional eater. So I think emotional healing was very important for you prior to actually starting to lose the weight, which leads me to my next question to you is, when did you realize that this was the case that you really needed that emotional part to be kind of healed or satisfied before you actually started losing the weight? I think I've always known it. I think that I've always known it. And emotional work is hard work, right? And it was three years ago that I attended this deep dive emotional intelligence community course in San Diego called Ascension Leadership Academy. And it was there that I began to work through the blocks and the issues and dive deep into it. I have a saying in the coaching world, many times in my life, I'd walk up to the puddle and I'd see the puddle and I would jump over it, make it to the other side and be like, Ooh, nice work. Keep going. And the puddle kept coming up. I needed to get in the middle of that puddle and play in it and really get dirty and deal with all of the things. And then it was the writing of the book where I was able to share my memoir of my adversity, how I overcame it, and then include the seven steps that somehow I've been using all of my life to accomplish things, even in the midst of adversity. When I wrote that book, it was cathartic. It was like, okay, here it is. Here is all of the grit, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the world is going to read it. I'm stripped bare of everything. And that's the perfect place from which to build. That's all right. Yeah. And I didn't really think that in that moment that I was going to be able to do it. You know, I saw my daughter doing it and I had settled. My mindset was one of, okay, so you've overcome addiction. You've overcome all these things and you will be fat for the rest of your life. That had to shift. Right, right. Yeah, that's very important. So do you think your coaching and the skills that you've learned in your coaching, did they help you in all of this? Or did you need a a third person or or a second person actually helping you get over your mindset? I think coaching keeps me in the space of always being emotionally intelligent and moving forward and working through stuff. And every time I get a client, they always mirror back something to me. I'm sure you relate to that. Oh, yeah, of course. Yes. And I did need my daughter's support for like I put people around me that could support me for different things. And lucky for us, rarely did we have that same moment at the same time. And she'd be like, no, you don't. Right. And then the coach through the ideal protein program was a male and he's very much into 
athleticism and training and weight training. And so then I had that piece to talk about, is it time for me to begin to build more muscle so that it's burning more fat? So I had that away from my daughter. And then I had friends that were accountability buddies as well and celebration buddies. Oh my gosh, you look amazing. Or I'm not in a size 20, I'm in a 18. Now I'm in a size 10. I need people that aren't jealous of that, that can be like, oh my gosh, that's so incredible. And that connection, I think, in this pandemic is so important. And we're proving as humans that there is nothing that's going to stop us from connecting. Yeah, of course. I mean, technology is fascinating now, right? Yes. <laughs> you can literally be across the world and still be connected to people. Absolutely. And you know, AR is next. So, yeah. and it's next. So in VR, I guess I should <laughs> yeah. say. Yes. So what do you think were your key factors in your success so far in your weight loss? Getting to the bottom of the victim mindset, knowing that life is happening for me instead of to me, taking each opportunity and looking at it as, well, it didn't work 10 years ago and not giving up and saying it, this could be the time that it works, right? We never know in addiction when an intervention is going to work. And if food is an addiction, same, same concept. And then really documenting my journey so that like yesterday, my daughter and I went to lunch and we were scrolling through our phones and we we're like, look, look at what we looked like a year ago. That's so empowering because I look so puffy and so unhealthy. And I remember how I feel. And that is great reinforcement. So those before after pictures, they're important. <laughs> yeah, they are important. Definitely. I think when you're losing the weight, it's so gradual at times that you really don't notice a difference because you're looking at yourself every day in the mirror, right? And when you look at the old photographs and then you realize, wow, this is a big difference compared to the old ones. Yes. And that's a big reinforcement in itself. Huge, huge. And that body dysmorphia, right? That's a real thing. It took me a long time to look in the mirror and see weight loss. Right. I would still see my fat self. And one of the really exciting things is when my daughter and I go somewhere and people are like, I didn't even know who you were because it's that drastic of a change. Right. And, you know, a lot of times what happens, Crystal, is that we often end up tying the weight loss to looking a certain way rather than just being at a healthier weight per se. And that's very important also because you need to have that mindset change in the fact that you're doing it for health reasons rather than just physical appearance because the physical appearance keeps changing. Mm -hmm. We change over years, but we really need to stay healthy and it becomes all the more important as you age to prevent those comorbidities that come along with obesity. So that's something that's very important to understand for people with obesity, that it's not just about the physical appearance. Physical appearance, somebody may say something to you or either compliment or comment, and that's just transient. But your body is going to stay with you and your health is going to stay with you, which is very, very important, right? So powerful. Yes. And I can say that at 52, you're going in yearly and getting your preventative measures. And when I was about 50 pounds into weight loss, it was my yearly and no more high cholesterol, like all wow. of those things that they were watching, blood pressure that was all gone all gone. And as a woman, there's many systems in your body that are regulated by fat. And when there's too much fat, like my daughter was having issues with fertility and menstruation, those are all impacted by that. So absolutely the health benefits I can see for me are tremendous. And 
something else that I was going to say was my daughter and I went into this and we said intentionally, if we lose five pounds, we're going to be happy. If we lose 10 pounds, we're going to be happy. We're not going to have this really unhealthy relationship with just what you said. I have to look a certain way. Yeah. And it's not just about the scale number that you see on the weighing scale that's moving down because there's a lot more that's happening with the efforts that you're making and with the weight loss that you're having. Even if it's a small weight loss than what you had wanted it to be, a smaller weight loss than what you had wanted it to be, it's still a weight loss, which is still going to be beneficial for you. Yes. Yeah. Those non-scale wins are great. Like, oh my gosh, these pants are huge. Those are really empowering. Right. And so what do you think were your struggles through this journey? I mean, everybody has just struggles through their weight loss. The emotional, definitely emotional triggers. I realized how it didn't matter what the emotion was. My reward was always food. Hmm. And it was important to get anything out of my house that I could in a weak mental moment eat. Still today. So it was really important for my daughter and I to set up systems, pre-make food if we were going to do a family gathering. All family gatherings are about food. Of course. (laughs) Right now, everybody's on this healthy kick and they're like, oh my gosh, you're going to eat that. So having someone else doing it with you is really powerful. You know, with the pandemic, everybody was locked down and when we could finally go somewhere, we went together and we packed all of our food and really set ourselves up for success. I think you found a great partner in your daughter. Me too. Me too. Because I felt, you know, I could trust her and she could trust me. And it strengthened our bond. Yeah, that's amazing because, you know, it's very important to have that good, not just good accountability partner, but also good relationship with the people that you're working with, right? Because that's so important. It just keeps both of you aligned towards the same goal. Yes, absolutely. And what happens when you're down? How does she help you? How does she help pick you up when you're feeling down? Well, she's funny, you know, and she always throws humor in there like, well, yeah, just head on down to McDonald's. Just, you know, and when we were doing Ideal Protein, one of the things that keeps you going is that it, you pay every week to go for the coach and for their food. And then I just knew it. I had permission to say, do and be whatever I needed to in the moment. You know, like I'm really cranky right now because I'm hungry. Well, have you eaten? What have you eaten? Right. You know, right. no judgment. That was so important. Right. That's so important for a good accountability partner. But how do you manage your food cravings now? Well, I know for sure if I'm having food cravings that I've not had enough water. And so right now, what a friend of mine and I did was roll out a free sugar water challenge just to our group. And so watching your sugar intake and increasing your water, because that to me It's amazing how you're really usually not hungry. You're thirsty. Your body needs something. So your body's going to do whatever it can to get your attention. So that's the first thing. And in sobriety, there's an acronym called HALT. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Those are trigger words. So if I'm hungry, it's probably water. If I'm angry, that'll trigger me to want to eat. So drink some water. And I finally got over the fact that it's okay to have like Mio drops in my water, if that is going to stop a craving, right? It's okay to have that sweet flavor because I'm also the kind of person in the beginning where I'm so structured. I'm like, I'm only going to eat chicken and vegetables and water. And then after a while that gets just old. So I had to reintroduce something that wasn't sugar that 
build that psychological reward of sugar. Right. Yeah, and that's the other thing that I've you know pointed out in the past also that it's not always going to be your hunger for food that causes you to feel hungry. Sometimes it's boredom. Sometimes it's thirst. Sometimes you're stressed, and that's what's causing you to be hungry. Sometimes it's anxiety. So there are so many other cues that can lead you to feel hungry, but you're not actually hungry for food. Mm-hmm. It may be a manifestation of something else, and that's also very important to recognize as far as obesity, because if you're going to pander to all of these cues just by eating. And of course, that's not going to be healthy. And usually when you have these cues, you're actually craving foods that are what we call quote-unquote comfort foods, which are really not the ideal foods for you. Exactly. And this also made me think about food diaries or food app. Really important for me to see what I'm eating. And the food apps today are so powerful that you can yeah. scan an item and it'll tell you right away. And you're like, oh, well, I don't even want to eat that because... yeah. That's not going to serve No, me. I'm a huge fan of all of that. I'm a huge fan of logging your food in and using a food diary. In fact, I've done an episode on that in the past where we've talked about, and you talked about meal planning and having your food ready. I've done an episode on that. So it's, I'm a huge fan of all of that because myself implemented all of these techniques into my journey, which really helped me. And I think it's a great thing to do if you can do it, if you have the time to do it. I think everybody should try and do that to some extent, at least. Well, and I would even take that one step further and say, in the beginning, it's an absolute. You have to do it in the beginning because it's an extra layer of accountability as well. Right. That's true. I want to acknowledge you because you've been through this journey, this trust that I feel in this podcast is a given. You're right there with me and there's no judgment. So that's very powerful. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. No, absolutely. I think it's a difficult journey and you know everybody needs to understand what all is going on within your body when you have this disease of obesity before you can actually start this journey because you know knowledge is power. Mhm. Yeah. Knowledge is power and perfection is overrated. That's another <laughs> That's true. <one>. <laughs> that is true. Because if today I ingest the wrong thing, make a poor choice, I have two options. To say, oh, the heck with it. Now I'm just going to eat everything till this day is over. Or I can be like, okay, hiccup, get back on track. I always have those two options. Right. And sometimes I choose both, right? And then at the end of the day, the mindset is perfection is overrated. Get back on the horse and ride again. I know you talked about your relationship with your daughter improving with her being your weight loss buddies of sorts. How did obesity itself affect your relationship with your family, with your friends? And how did that change with your weight loss? Oh, that's a golden question. Mindset. When I was obese, I had less confidence. I was in self-judgment. I also judge others. So this conversation going on in my head that if you're fat and you're overweight, you're not smart. Because if you were smart, you would lose weight. So I figured everybody thought I was stupid as well. So when you walk into a room with that mindset, all that heavy baggage of victim, that's the dance that you create with everyone. Everything you hear someone say, I would think, oh, they don't really mean that. They're just saying that. What they really see is a fat, stupid woman aging, right? And there was this ongoing dialogue that was not self-serving. 
And then as I began to shift into something, I could look into the mirror and go, okay, there I am again. My confidence came up, self-judgment fell away, self-worth increased, and all of my relationships have improved because of my mindset. I think that's very true because whenever you're looking at a situation or whenever you're listening to somebody, you filter it through your perception of what the reality is. Whereas in their minds, it may be something completely different. I think yeah. all of us have experienced at some point in time with something or the other, not necessarily just weight, but with anything that we do, the our reality is our perception based on our experiences and what we feel about ourselves as well. And so it's very crucial to actually change your mindset whenever you're doing anything for that matter, not just weight loss. Yep. Totally agree. And that's something I coach into all the time. Act as if, right? Quantum right. physics, step into the level, the life, the form you want to be, act as if you are that, and then your body aligns. And something that I think about with my daughter, who's younger than me, right, is when you are morbidly obese, you settle. You settle for relationships that you feel like you deserve because you can't get any better. Right. And so it's really, really beautiful to watch my daughter who's beautiful and who's now not obese, not settle for anything. And I think as humans, if we could have the non-settling attitude, no matter what we look like, that would be gold. However, it is a human condition. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I think it's true for anything that we do. So... What are your words of wisdom for people who are kind of in the same journey, are not able to find the support they need, or are not able to find a right path to get to their ideal weight? Yeah. Well, right, intuitively, what comes up is never give up, right? It doesn't matter how many times you've tried, never give up. And don't be afraid to connect with someone. And if it's not the right someone, right? I had a negative isogenics experience, connect with someone else keep shifting, keep pivoting, know that you are worthy of everything. And if you want to be healthy, you get to be healthy, do whatever it takes. You know, I could say dream, declare, deliver, right? That's the Dreamweaver tagline. If you can dream it and you declare it out loud, you can do whatever it takes to deliver on it. No, that's great. Yeah. So how can people find you? Well, I've got a great website, dreamweaver.consulting. I'm on Facebook, Dreamweaver Consulting, Instagram, Dreamweaver Consulting One, all of the typical places. I don't know if you've checked out Clubhouse yet. <laughs> no, I haven't. <laughs> oh my goodness, you have to. It's the hot new place. So I'll be starting there. I think what I want to do in Clubhouse is, is do a book study because I wrote a book, The Evolution of Dreamweaver, Seven Steps to Delivering on Your Dreams, which is memoir and interactive. You actually get to interact with each of those seven steps. That's a great way to really get a feel for who I am. Every Wednesday night, I do a Facebook live show and I get to podcast just like you as well. This is so great, great to see how it all works. And then email me, crystal at dreamweaver.consulting. Yep. I'm going to put in all the information in my show notes as well on my website. This has been truly great discussion, Crystal, and this was a very inspirational story that you have. Thank you so much for joining me. And friends, do join my Decoding Obesity community to meet other people on the same path as yours. You can head on over to www.decodingobesity.com forward slash Facebook to join. And please don't forget to drop a review or a comment 
And if there are any specific topics you would like me to discuss here, please do let me know. You can write to me at host at decodingobesity.com. And that's all we have time for today. I'll see you all next time. Thank you so much again, Crystal. Thank you. You've been listening to the Decoding Obesity Podcast. Please remember, the information in this podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely of the host and his guests and do not constitute medical advice. Views and opinions on this show do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of any organization. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening in. Don't forget to visit our website, www.decodingobesity.com for show notes and more info. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time.